I'm so happy to be here with you today. And um, I am, um, you know, when we come together, we come not just to worship, all the, although the worship is incredible. And we come not just to hear a message, but we come here together because we have something in common. And that thing that we have in common is that we believe in the one true God. And it's his truth that we come for because we yearn to know more about him because we need his truth to break through in our lives and change us. And so today as I'm here, I'm, um, I'm so glad to be here as we talk about this topic of truth um, and I'm, I'm interested as I've looked at truth, there's a byproduct that comes from truth, and it's trust. And as I look around this room, and I know about the leadership of this place, that I'm so incredibly, I hold in such high regard um, as I have sat on the uh, pastor's um, group that has met weekly for about a year and a half now. I hold in such high regard the leadership of this church, and I see in you the fruit of their guidance, and I see so many leaders being built up among this congregation. It's impressive. It's really uh, amazing to be a part of that. And I believe that as trust is built from truth, when we put our trust and our, in, when we put our trust in the one true God, and we find ourselves in community of like-minded thinkers, there are amazing things that happen. I believe that when we do that, we have the ability to take more risks, to explore more, to take adventure, to imagine, to be brave enough to seek healing. And to become whole. And I see that in our midst. So I'm so excited today that we're talking about trust. We're in a three-part series. We're talking about Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And when I say truth, I'm often mixing the two because I see them so much the same. Truth produces trust. And trust inspires us to become more of who we are intended to be following his path for our life. I can't think of a better way to lead up to this season that we're in. We're starting a new school year, as August prayed for the teachers and students, but we're also starting a new year on the biblical calendar, a new agricultural season. And it is led up by a time of penitentiary. It's sort of a a time before the beginning of this new festival season that starts a week from Thursday, there's like a penitential time, a time of letting the Lord really look at our lives. And, um, you know, there's because we're, we're not Jews, we don't often know all the things that happen on the Jewish calendar. But I think that by default, the Lord does some of that stuff in our life. Because his calendar goes on anyway, whether we're aware of it or not. And I think in this time, he's certainly been working on my heart, and I hope he has in yours as well. So let's look at truth today. The scripture reading for today, um, again, is, uh, begins with um, some mention of Jesus as he speaks to his disciples. He's talking about a dwelling place that the Father has for us. And I wonder if before we look at the scripture, we can um, say a creed or a prayer that Jesus would have said morning and evening each day. Maybe even three times a day. I know they say this in the traditional worship service, the Shema. 
Um, can you just raise your hand if you've said the Shema before so I can see um, if that's a familiar thing? Okay, great. Well, would you stand? Let's say the Shema, and, um, and we'll read um, some of the scripture that we have for today. So let's say together, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. You may be seated. I'm going to read this next part because it's kind of lengthy. But I wanted to put some background behind this proclamation that Jesus gives as he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, so that we can look at the context in which he said it. So let me just read for you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way I you know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, "Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way?" And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We'll stop there. What a proclamation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, truth is, is uh, another property about truth is it has a, an ability to bring clarity and calamity. It brings clarity in the midst of calamity. This last week, I went to Houston to visit my nieces and my nephew. And uh, we decided to have a girls' day out from Houston to go to Galveston to the beach. And um, so the girls, the two girls, my nieces and my sister and I were in the car. And as we were driving back, we were listening to some great music and kind of bebopping along the way. And all, all of a sudden, on the radio... That loud screeching noise came on. You remember that alert system sound that's just so annoying? It was so annoying. So I reached down as the driver and just turned it down so that we didn't have to listen to that. And we kept going. And um, I could I could feel my sister's eyes on me when the sound was already over. The alert system sound had ended and the announcer began to talk and um, her eyes looking at me as if to say, aren't you going to listen to the emergency? And so finally, I, I, she said it out loud, and I said, well, I'm sure it's just a test. You know, it's not real. It's just a test. They have these tests, and I'm sure it's not real. And she said, well, why don't we turn it up just to see? Well, so I turned it up, and as I turned up the radio and I looked in front of me, there was a small black cloud that was forming on the horizon and as we heard the words golf ball size hail along the road to Galveston from West University exactly we were where we were going to Galveston the sky began to fill with all these billowing black clouds and there was a point at which I looked out the window and I could see sort of like a shelf of clouds where before it was daytime and after it was just dark with all these clouds and 
and we drove under it and drove into all of the rain before we could pull off to the closest exit and go spend an hour in Target shopping by their generator light. And that's what happened. But my sister's words, when I think about truth, she said to me, aren't we going to listen to that? Aren't we going to listen to what might help us? And I believe that God's truth is like that. It breaks through in situations of calamity, and it brings a kind of clarity. It gives us the information that we need to know to be able to move forward. In a study entitled, What Americans Believe, George Barna took a poll about what American people think about truth. And he said this, the report said this, an estimated 60, 74%, sorry, an estimated 74% of Americans strongly agree that there is only one true God who is holy and perfect and who created the world and rules it today. An estimated 65% either strongly agree or somewhat agree with the statement, there is no such thing as absolute truth. A later report said this, truth is something that can only, that only one-third of American adults believe is absolute. In other words, truth might mean one thing to me and another thing to you. You might define something as true that I might not define something as true. It's not absolute. So when Jesus declared himself as truth, he must have meant something about truth in a different way than Americans, a lot of Americans think about it today. I wonder if you would um, uh, be willing to think about the question, what was the truth that Jesus came to proclaim? What is it that he came to speak about when it was truth? And if, we, if he calls himself the truth, what was the truth that Jesus came to proclaim? 20 seconds. Think about that question. What was the truth that Jesus came to proclaim? Turn to the person beside you if you'll just entertain me and give him one, two, or three word answer to that. What was the truth that Jesus came to proclaim? 20 seconds. What are some words that you can come up with? Okay, that was short. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to start on this side, and I want to hear some words that you thought about in answer to that question. You can just spout them out. Front row, what'd you get? Hey, we're just on this side. I know somebody's too eager over there. Hold your horses. We're going to get to you. Okay, this side, come on. What'd you come up with? I am God. Jesus came to proclaim, I am God. Good. What else? The kingdom is here. here. Good. What else? Oh, okay. Just wait till this side. It's probably going to beat you. Okay, this side, what did you come up with? What did Jesus come to proclaim? The son of God? Is that what you said? Yes, good. Okay. The son of man. There's only one God. Love it. Anything else over there? Okay, you guys win. There's popcorn in the back for you. Um, Yeah. So 
um, you know, um, as a biblical scholar, I wanted to look at what it is that Jesus, what Jesus' audience thought about the word truth. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I, I'm the way, the truth, and the light, I wanted to look back and see what is it that the audience was thinking about when they heard these words. And so um, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I found about truth. One of them has to do with some Hebrew words that are found, the, the last three Hebrew words that are found in the creation story in the book of Genesis. Those words in Hebrew are bara Elohim la'asot, and in English they translate to be God created to do. And those three words in Hebrew is what the rabbis before the time of Jesus, who were called sages, not rabbis, what the sages did was they took the first three letters of each of those three words and they formed a word from it so they took the first letter of the first word the first letter of the second word and the first letter of the third word and they formed a letter a word and the word that they formed was emmet and emmet in english is translated as truth in the rabbi's thinking the word truth is not a being kind of word but a doing kind of word They had the understanding that people were to complete the doing of creation after God finished his creation. Truth is something that you live into, and it informs all the decisions in life according to the way they thought. The nature of truth is grounded in moments of decision, and most decisions involve other people. So decisions like, shall I steal? Shall I turn a blind eye to social justice? Should I give charitably? Should I, should I? You get the idea. Truth is a matter of doing. It's like how we live. It comes out of us. I bumped into David McNisky in the hallway and we talked, we compared notes and he said, you know, I was thinking about the word truth and one of my points was, that truth is like home and not a hotel. It's not something to briefly pass by, but it's something that is in us. It's a part of us. Jesus said, I am the truth. And as we imitate him, we become truth also. Joseph Piper, a German Catholic philosopher, said many years ago, the natural habitat for truth is in interpersonal relationships. That's where truth really comes about. Jesus was emet. Jesus was truth. And in him, there was no mismatch between what he said and what he did, who he said he was, and how he lived that out. He was totally trustworthy. He was totally authentic, and his actions and his speech were reliable his followers are intended to imitate him as i thought about this i wondered if there are places in our lives where truth has been used in a place in a way in our lives that has been against us some i wonder if truth has been used so that it has been not really truth but called truth and used against us um 
Jesus was not like that, was he? He never pretended that something was true and forced it upon our lives. His truth was very authentic, and he calls us to be very authentic in the way that we live out our life in truth. When you, do, when you only do and say the things that you actually believe, people trust you. And when you don't do the things that you believe, people won't trust you. When you're authentic, people trust you and they support you. They'll rally you in your successes and they'll be right by your society and your failures. To the Jews who believed in Jesus, he said this. If you hold to my teachings and you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So truth has an element of freedom about it also. So that was the first thing I wanted to tell you, and I did a little research about what truth means. It, this truth that's emit, it has to do with doing. It has to do with being. It's not something that we passed by in life. It's something that's a part of who we are because it was who Jesus was. And as we imitate him, it becomes who we are also. Second thing I want to tell you about is some of the research that I did um, on Truth and what it means goes hand in hand with a concept that Jesus talked about probably more frequently than any other concept, and that is the kingdom of heaven. Truth and the kingdom of heaven seem to go like this, and I'll explain why. Before Paul and the other apostles went out with the good news of the gospel, the rabbis before them, the sages before them and before Jesus had already gone out into the world taking this good news of the gospel of the one true God. When we think about gospel, we often think it's just Jesus' gospel, but there's the gospel about the God of heaven and earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that gospel had been taken far and wide by the sages. They took it far to the east, all through what we would consider um, east of the Mesopotamian Crescent, and then they also took it all around Mesopotamia, all around the ocean and Greece and Turkey and Spain. So the idea of the one true God had already been laid, the groundwork had been laid, and it was called the kingdom of heaven. And so that believers before the time of Jesus, they saw their faith as a king who took care of his people. Our concept of king is not always a positive one, but in the Middle East and in that part of the world, a king was really a good thing. A king was the person that you went to when you had a problem or uh, you had something that went wrong. If a donkey came onto your property and fell into a hole and there needed to be a judgment about what to do with that donkey, who paid for it? If a fence fell over, if something happened with your neighbor at work or whatever, all these things were taken to the king and the king was the one who made decisions and helped the people. And so when the sages spoke about the kingdom of God, they were speaking about this king who's a very benevolent king whose intention was to take care of his people. And that's the word that was spread. The kingdom of heaven. Um, There's lots spoken about the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven also. He says in Matthew, um, in chapter 10, he says, As you go and preach, say, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
In Matthew 13, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And in Matthew 16, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. The terms kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven mean the same thing. They were just intended for different audiences. Matthew used the term kingdom of heaven because he had a Jewish audience. And Jewish audiences knew not to use the name of God. Before the time of Jesus and in his time, the name of God wasn't used because of the possibility of breaking the command, do not use the Lord's name in vain. So they used other ways when they spoke about God. They would use the word place or heaven or name, Hashem, to speak about God. And so Matthew uses that tradition and he says, kingdom of heaven. The other Gospels use kingdom of God because they were headed towards some Gentile, some non-Jewish audiences. And so those two things mean the same, though. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. The idea of God being king and people being his, um, and the, God being the king and this people that served him uh, was so big in the time of Jesus that the rabbi said that no blessing was complete unless it considered God as king. So every prayer and every blessing have the name king in it, refer to God as king. And in Hebrew, the formula that was come up with sounded like this. The formula that was said by rabbis and by those who prayed, Barukata Adonai Loheno Melech HaOlam, which translates to mean, Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the world. God is king is an important concept. And this idea of the kingdom of heaven is a part of what the, the hearers with, of Jesus heard when he was speaking about truth. In short, the kingdom of heaven, so what is the kingdom of heaven? We've talked a lot about it, but the kingdom of heaven was considered a time when God's reality and presence broke through into present-day world. It wasn't considered something that was far away or something to be achieved or something that wasn't yet, but it was in the here and now. So the kingdom of heaven was a time when a miracle might happen, a healing might happen, or God just broke through and did something. I believe that happened this morning when we were in worship. I felt the Spirit of God in, in this place in a really powerful way. Um, to touch hearts and to bring us to the place that he needs us to be. And that's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a time, it's like truth cutting, it's like a, a, a hot knife that cuts through butter. It just melts away the places where our heart has not been in the right place. And the Lord can speak to us really clearly. A young woman that I uh, mentor had a, a kingdom of God experience that she shared with me so kindly. It was a truth experience where the God, where God just like a hot knife through butter cut into her life. And this is how she shared it with me. She had struggled with her parents, a relationship with her parents for decades. Um, they had had an unhealthy relationship and she had grown up in a home that wasn't unhealthy in her description. And she said, I'd always seen the doors between me and them wide open so that I would need to take all the words that they would say to me, even the ones that would be unhealthy, into me because these doors were wide open. They had lots of love to give me, she said, but they had lots of other stuff that was hurtful and harmful. 
And she said, one day the Lord gave me this picture of those two double doors. And the picture was this. He said, those doors can swing wide open and you can love them as much as you are able. You can give, you can speak to it joy into their lives. You can minister to them. You can love them. You can be a part of their lives as much as you want. And when they are able to give love back to you, you take it just the same through those open doors. And if there's something that comes from them that's not healthy in your description, then just put a screen up so that that unhealthy stuff doesn't come through. It stays behind, but you're able to bring in all the love that they have to give to you. I believe that when she heard that from the Lord, that description, she says it changed her life. She said, I will never be the same. From now on, when I'm with my parents, I now know how it works because God showed me. I believe that's God's truth when he breaks through. The Lord has done that so many times in my life where he's just broken through and I fall on my knees. It's an amazing thing. And that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is with us. And I believe that the kingdom of God is here with us because I know that the spirit led us when we were in worship this morning. Praise God that we're able to live in that. When the kingdom of God breaks through, it's pure, it's simple, and it's powerful. And I believe God's truth is like that, too. I want to tell you a story about um, another uh, experience. It's not mine, but I just love this story about how God's truth can break through as pure, powerful, and simple I lived in South Africa for a while, did research there, and one of my colleagues and friends um, was from the Congo, and his name was Leonard Bilabamba. And with a a group, uh, we would um, gather together, um, a group of us, and we would celebrate on Friday nights the Sabbath dinner together. Kind of an interesting group in South Africa to do that with, and we just had such fun. We would share dinners together and and pray the blessings that Jesus would have prayed in the first century. Um, and after the dinner, we would go into one of the rooms of the house, and there was a big map that was on one of the walls of Africa, and so. When we would go in there, these were a lot of international students from all over the world. Our friend Leonard would go up to the map, and he would tell us all about his country, the Congo, on this map. And he would point to us and tell us all these things. And one of his favorite stories was about David Livingstone, who, of course, was one of the explorers of South of the Congo. And he told us a story about Sir Winston, who went in to find David Livingstone after he was had disappeared for about seven years. So David Livingstone, the the explorer, was exploring, and he was not heard from for seven years. Sir Winston went in to find him and had an interesting adventure. It's said that he would always carry um, a, a rope in his hand with a goat on the other end, kind of like a security blanket, because he knew that if he couldn't get any kind of sustenance, he could always have milk from the goat. And so as he went from place to place in the Congo in search of David Livingstone, one of the things that happened was he would have to make agreements with the kings of each tribe to go through their land. And he came up against one chief, and the chieftain said to him, we need to cut a covenant. The covenant involved 
um, slits in hands with blood and sharing it and gunpowder that would make a scar. And it also made an exchange, a, a gift exchange was involved. And the chief saw that all he had was a goat, and so he pointed to the goat, and so Sir Winston had to give up his goat. In exchange, the chieftain gave him a staff, a staff, a stick. Um, what could he do with that? And so the agreement was made, and he, he continued on through the land with the staff, wondering, how in the world am I going to get by? I won't have what I needed. You know, my only sense of security is gone now. All I've got is this stick. And as he walks through the land, he finds, he walks through and he finds a goat herder. And he speaks to the goat herder and he says, please, kind sir, can you just give me a cup so that I can have a cup of the goat's milk that are among your herds. And the goat herder looked at him and looked at his staff and then looked back again and said, Oh, kind sir, why would you ask me for a cup of milk? All of these goats belong to you. I believe that's the kingdom of heaven. There wasn't much of a solution for Sir Winston at that point. He couldn't find a way out. And yet the Lord came up with the solution for him that he would have never thought of. That staff represented now that he had authority in that land. And he could own goats, which he didn't know about. I believe the Lord, when he speaks his truth in our lives, it looks like that. It looks like the kingdom of heaven coming into our lives. What else can we know about truth? Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul to us says truth is something that we're to think about he says listen to well let's let's listen to the words that he gives to the believers in philippi he says brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about these things did you hear truth in there Trust, truth. Truth, trust leads to truth, and truth brings clarity. Paul says, think about these things. Because Jesus defined himself as the truth, we can consider him trustworthy, and we can consider what he says is happening, and we can find freedom there. He's going ahead of us and preparing the way. He's going so far ahead of us to prepare the way that we learn today that he's preparing a way for us in his father's house. He's preparing a place for us in his father's house. It's kind of hard to even imagine. I believe that truth produces trust and trust inspires us to become who we are intended to be. It inspires us to accomplish what we're intended to accomplish According to God's plans for our lives, truth gives us freedom to experiment and freedom to dream, to explore and to imagine. It gives us freedom to seek healing and to become whole. I think if Paul was here now, he would say to us, put your trust in the one true God. He's got your back. And be in fellowship with others that believe like that. Because they will inspire you, and through that, you will find the things that you need to find. You will be able to explore, to imagine, to dream, 
to walk into the things that the Lord has for you. You will become more authentic in your identity in the Lord. And you will become more like the child of God that the Lord has for you to become. I want to end by reading a part of a proverb. And I want you to listen to the word trust in this proverb. My child, never forget the things that I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder and write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you what path to take. Let's pray. Lord, we agree with heaven right now that you are the one true God. We believe that your word is true. And Lord, I pray that anywhere in this room, if we have um, an inability to call you trustworthy, I pray that you would come and that you would heal our hearts so that we could see you as true Father, I pray for those of us that need you desperately today, that you would break through to us, that you would find that opening in our hearts, and that you would come with your truth, that you would allow us to trust you, and that through truth and trust, we would find freedom and we would be inspired to be who you've caused us and called us to be. We agree with heaven. Lord, we bless you and we praise you. We pray that you would bring your kingdom here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.